Hey everyone, the episode you're about to listen to is one of the very first ones that we did, and the sound recording is not that great. It took us a little bit to hit our stride, and we enjoyed these first episodes, but they maybe aren't our strongest ones. So we've got some better equipment and honed our skills. The recording quality gets a lot better around episode 10. Stick it out, keep listening, it gets better from here. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. And today we are discussing number four, album number four on the Rolling Stone's Top 500 album list, which is Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan. Did you think we'd make it this far? I was hoping we would make it at least this far, maybe maybe to album five. So we're we're one away from my goal. It feels like we're cruising. I was thinking it was going to be a bumpier first start. No, it's going really well. And uh, we have actual subscribers now, which is wonderful. Uh, people have been uh, fairly timid about sending us their comments and remarks. So hopefully that means they're enjoying it. Or maybe it means they've just subscribed and they're not listening. I don't know. One or the other. Or it means they only got five minutes into the first episode and turned it off. Right. But hopefully not. Too. Um, so I don't know. You and I grew up together. I know your musical tastes a little bit. And I think I know the answer to this question. Had you had you listened to this album before we started this project, Ben? No, I never did. Uh, my collection has never included a Bob Dylan uh, record in physical copy. There was a point, at some point, when I downloaded a few of his albums, just thinking, you know, anyone who likes music is supposed to at least wrestle with Bob Dylan. Right. And they generally stayed unplayed which is which is something i'm sure we'll talk more about during this podcast what about you no i had not listened to this album and also i i have no bob dylan records in my collection no albums and yeah i also felt that oh i should probably get into him at some point he's he's an artist that i'm supposed to, as a music lover and as someone who loves rock and the history and the evolution of it, i'm he's someone that i should be very familiar with i should have his albums right. i should know the chronology of his music and how he's inspired and i've just never really gone there and uh, maybe we'll discuss why that is and i, I want to say too that when i looked at the track listing of this album I, the only one that was familiar to me both in the name of it and listening to it was uh, like a rolling stone so i don't know if i should be embarrassed by that or or if it just shows that this is a an album and an artist that I've just hasn't been relevant so far and just haven't gone near it. And I don't, I don't want that to put a shadow on the listening because I, I don't think that's ever fair. But, but no, it's just not. I'm listening to this pretty much with virgin ears. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. The first song was the only one I'd ever. I'm pretty sure the only song I've ever heard before. Um, I even took a look at like uh, the Dylan's Greatest Hits album mm. and. You know, there are, like, songs that I sort of recognize and a few songs that I definitely know. But for a Greatest Hits album, I know not many of them. It almost makes me wonder if um, there was something about the era we grew up in where his music just wasn't being given frequent radio time. 
we listen to a lot of classic rock radio, uh, especially picking Sweet Corn together. You know, aside from Like a Rolling Stone, I I don't have many memories of. Uh, maybe Mr. Tambourine Man would, would come on occasionally, uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting, and it'll be interesting to to go through something that both of us are so unfamiliar with. That's right, and and Bob Dylan is one of those artists who just has a massive. Uh, catalog of music has produced so much music over the years and and may still be producing at this at this point in history Uh, so i can't think you can get a little lost and if if you're not a a big fan in dylan you know it would be easy to say oh i haven't heard that album yet so maybe we don't have to feel so bad about it because there's so much of it uh yeah it feels sacrilegious to say that we might not like it but we'll, we'll save that till the end, too. Don't let see, the cat out of the bag just yet. <laughs> uh, I want to give some details, as we always do. This album was released August 30, 1965. And, and I want to point out now, and, and the next album we talk about, the first five albums, at least, um, and it'll change a little bit, but the first five albums are all released between 65 and 67. Wow. Two, in, it, think about that. In two years... You have the first five albums on this list of 500 albums that span over 40 years. The top five are only written in a two-year span, so I'm not going to say what that means. I mean, I think it means that this is a very specific... (laughs) This list is kind of centered in a very specific type of music, a very specific genre, and a very specific uh, era. And I think that when we get into more of the albums and see kind of what comes along later in the list we'll see that the heart of the people who created this list rather the heart of the list is is kind of rooted in a specific spot and as i've been looking at the dates and thinking about the first few albums and how they're kind of wrapped around each other that this kind of just pounded that home that uh yeah this this list although gets a little more diverse really is kind of rooted in in one specific thing yeah and i i guess it shouldn't be terribly surprising the first list came out in 2003 and then it was revised in 2012 it's a pretty good chance that the the music writers that they were polling for these two uh rolling stones greatest album lists were uh baby boomers or maybe the oldest of the gen xers um so they, they're, you know, their prime would be the 60s, yeah. 70s. It yeah. takes all the way to, I think, number 17, Nirvana's Nevermind, before we get something uh, that's newer than the 70s. And even as you go on, it, it, there isn't very much outside of the 70s. And you get a little more, a little more in the 80s, some in the 90s, and then they put in some from the 2000s. But yeah, no, it's. I, I think you're right. That That's the the people who created this and something wrong with that, but it, it just kind of paints a picture. Well, maybe there is something wrong with that. Oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, maybe there's something wrong with that. More than, more than baby boomers listen to music. We'll get, the, we'll, we'll get there. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to get into a lot more albums when we get in, you know, 10, 20, 30, and can kind of look back at it, and right. make, make those comments, maybe a little more, with a little more education and experience. But I think what um, this album in particular is reminding me is that even though I consider myself to have a pretty strong sort of pop music, rock music history knowledge, there's still so much out there that I have for sure no idea about, including some of the most popular stuff. So that's right. This is a good thing. I think that, it, that, you know, there's an album here that we're 
brand new too. Yeah, I'm, and I'm. That's another thing I'm excited about the list is there's a lot I haven't heard, and uh, it's exciting to listen to new music. What What can you tell us about the album details? Well, the whole thing was written by Bob Dylan, and this is the first album that's done by a solo artist. He wrote the whole thing. There's no other credit given in the writing. It charted, uh, went up to number four in the UK and number three in the US. So it wasn't a number one album, it was certainly very high. To date, it's been certified uh, in a few different countries, uh, and the grand total is 1.15 million copies, uh, and probably more than that. Uh, if you go into other albums, given that we don't have much prior knowledge to this, uh, you know, I, I flipped through a few places this afternoon and this paragraph from Wikipedia stood out to me. I think it's a pretty good summary not just of, uh, how the press reacted to the songs, but also a little bit about how our feelings might be as we're, as we're listening to this with new ears. Um, so it says in the British music press, initial reviews of highway 61 expressed both bafflement and admiration for the record. New musical express critic, Alan Evans wrote another set of message songs and story songs sung in that monotonous and tuneless way by Dylan, which becomes quite arresting as you listen. The melody maker LP review section by an anonymous critic commented, Bob Dylan's sixth LP, like all others, is fairly incomprehensible, but nevertheless an absolute knockout. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think that's just that's perfect. I think as I was listening to this yeah, for absolutely. the last few weeks, I was thinking like, wow, this is strange. This is not always in tune. I don't always understand what he's saying, but I can tell there's something here, and there's something here that obviously has resonated with people since it was released. I agree, and I really resonate with these comments that there's some things about it that I go, that is awful. <laughs> and there are other things <laughs> where I go, oh, I really like that. Yeah. And you put them together, and I'm not, it took me about four or five listens all the way through to kind of go, okay, now it's catching on me. But up until that, I just, I, and I kept trying, like, okay, this is number four on the list. There must be something in here that I'm supposed to really, really like. Yeah. And it, it took me a while. There are a few tunes that we'll discuss. There are a few tunes that I really, really like the melody. I like the lyrics. I like the feel of it. But, well, I don't really like his performance of it. Or or this guitar is way out of tune on it. So yep. I'm not supposed to like that thing. But I kind of like it. So, it, it, yeah, it's this tug and pull kind of back and forth of... And maybe that's why it's so beloved that that it it is challenging and it's different and it doesn't. Bob Dylan's saying ah, it doesn't have to be perfect to be really good. One of my friends in college, uh, he would he would often say that he wasn't sure that he actually had a specific genre or sound of music that he liked. He'd just buy an album and put it in his CD player in his truck, and after a few weeks, he'd enjoy it. He was. It was because it became familiar. Oh, <laughs> and he claimed that he could he could do that with anything. He'd just put it in, listen to it enough times, and all of a sudden he'd be humming along. And uh, I wonder if that would be the case for this album. Uh, a few times through, I'm still sort of in that awkward, I don't know what I'm listening to phase. But maybe I just got to keep playing it and see where it takes me. Should I send you my old Biff Naked albums and test the theory? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I probably haven't heard the name Biff Naked since I made fun of you for getting those albums. <laughs> well, that's that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> Memories. <laughs> Memories. <laughs> um, I want to talk about 
the album cover. Yeah. Very simple. It's a picture of Mr. Dylan sitting, uh, looking kind of cockeyed, his, his normal quaff of hair. Um, he looks holding what looks like sunglasses, which is fairly iconic for him, those big black shades. And that's about it. Um, th- when I look at this, the thing I think of right away is number one, boy, he's, he looks so young and he was young. He was 23 or 24 uh, when they were making this album. So very young. It was a sixth album at 24, which is pretty impressive. Amazing. And when I hear his voice, even on this album, I do not think of a 24 year old man. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds, I've always felt like Bob Dylan was old and I know that's weird. And I know people who grew up with him would be like, Oh, what are you talking about? But when I hear his voice, and certainly being younger and not really knowing much about artists necessarily, you know, you're just hearing things, he sounds like an older man, whether that yep. was intentional or whether that was just the way he sounded or whether he, you know, was just always smoking, uh, which is also probably true. Yep. He doesn't sound and he doesn't write. Like he's a 24-year-old guy. There's a uh, uh, sort of blues folk uh, singer that I listened to for a period of time called William Elliot Whitmore, okay. uh, who sounds like he's like 85, but he's a young, he's our age, a young guy. And uh, oh, like 22. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> born in born in 1982 whenever I would listen to him, I'd think about Dylan as like you know, it's got this like gravelly voice that sounds well traveled maybe that's a good way to put it the cover uh just seems to ooze what was cool at that time like he's kind of giving a look like he doesn't care uh (laughs) you know he's got a motorcycle shirt on his hair's you know kind of his hair is blowing in the wind um and uh and he's holding sunglasses right And, and and a sort of designer shirt it just looks uh i'm i'm imagining it was it was hip. The photo is is funny because it's it's very candid. There's somebody standing behind him. Right. You can't see them. You can only see them from about the belly button down. You can't even see right. their feet. They're holding uh, a camera, and you can see his hand in his pocket, and that's it. I mean, that's not a stage shot. If it was a stage shot, no. it'd be like, ah, oh, Willie, get out of the way, you know. Like, but it's just kind of a picture. Maybe they're in the studio. Maybe they were. Just hanging out somewhere. And- well, here's a theory. He's you can only see one hand. This may be the first selfie. Oh, <laughs> it uh, it does just appear like casual, like um, someone's messing around with a camera, and you know this was they like the look of his face or something. I thought Vincent Van Gogh had the first selfie. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's a bad joke. You can cut that one out. Only nine tracks on this album. Okay, and they are Like a Rolling Stone, Tombstone Blues, It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry, From a Buick Six, Ballad of a Thin Man, Queen Jane Approximately, Highway 61 Revisited, Just Like Tom Thumbs Blues, Desolation Row. And like I said before, I don't think I'd heard of any of these songs other than like a Rolling Stone. Maybe Ballad of a Thin Man. That one 
might have been one that I was familiar with, at least in name. Were there any songs that jumped out to you in any way when, when you gave it a first listen? Okay, here's the first hint of my reaction to this album. Tracks two through nine, I cannot picture that song. I cannot... <laughs> With uh, the previous three albums, as we go through the tracks, I could hear every single song as the title was said. I've got nothing. Um, I can go back and, like, click through, uh, you know, Spotify and tell you that uh, the third song often stuck out for some reason. I think it's just got this, like, kind of sauntering cowboy pace. It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a uh, train to cry. Um... There is a line in there, and again, I have no idea which song it's even from. Something about calling someone a cow, yes, and you give them the milk anyway. I don't remember what song that's from, but it might be Battle of the Thin Man. Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> pulling at, at some threads here. I actually really like the final track. Uh, does it? It's just like probably twice as long as it needs to be. Uh, yep. 11, 11 minutes, 21 seconds. It's probably my favorite song. Yeah, I guess the only one that stands out when I look at the track list is Like a Rolling Stone because it's the only one that I can come up with some semblance of a memorable aspect. So I've, I've put my cards on the table there, I guess. What, what about you? I feel similar because I'm looking through and I can't, I can't remember them all, how they sound. And I think some of them just kind of fade away as a generic sort of bluesy jam rock song. Uh, the one that's really stuck in my head is Queen Jane Approximately. And as I listened through and was trying to pick out ones I like, that's one that kept jumping out. I hear the melody in my head. And there's a comment that we talked about in preparation for this that, and it was an article that I read too, that some of the best bob dylan songs you've heard are ones that have been done by other people yep this is a song that i would love to hear done by someone else much more polished because the melody is is wonderful it's quite nice i want to listen to it but the harmonica and all the guitars that are out of tune it drives me nuts it's got a kind of uh, slightly off-tune piano in that one too Uh, right it's like like every instrument is and i don't understand it and Maybe someone who's researched this would be like, oh, no, this is what happened, dude. But it's like someone's producing this album. And was there no one there who was like, oh, uh, Bob, you've got to tune that guitar. Like, it sounds awful. Hold on. Let's just take five minutes and tune this guitar. Was no one there to say that? Were they all high? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, or was that was that what they were trying to create? I was listening to this, and I, and I was sharing this with my wife, and she said, well, do you know what the song's about? I said, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it, he likes a girl. I don't know. She's like, well, maybe you should research what the song's about <laughs> first. And then once you do that, maybe the way they produced it would make more sense. I don't think that necessarily applies to this song. However, uh, it did make me think about it a little more critically. Like, does it... Are we just obsessed, especially in with the technology we have today are we obsessed with everything being perfect where Bob and the guys just getting together and jamming and really really enjoying what they were doing and it didn't matter whether it was perfect or not I mean I think or was it an ironic jab to say like you all think music is supposed to be overproduced and 
I'm going to sell something that's not. I don't know. Maybe it's ironic. I'm sure someone out there has asked the question of Bob and the other people involved in this track and other songs. Was that intentional? We could probably find that. But that's a good question. I'd love to know. Was it intentional or was it something they just missed? Or if they did miss it, does it just kind of paint a picture of that time? But then I listened to, like, we're going to talk next time about Rubber Soul. And it was done in the same year. Uh, And it's, like, flawless. Right. It's crisp. It's well-produced. It's, you know, there's... You can't even put them beside each other and go, yeah, this is the same time. It's totally different. It's not like they didn't have the technology or the experience or producers who knew what they were doing. They had that. Right. But they didn't They didn't execute it here. And again, I'm not saying that was a mistake, personally. Um, but it certainly is interesting, and it gives the album a very specific texture. But that song, I really do like the melody. There's a lot of things I like about it, and the... The lyrics throughout this, again, it's poetry. Some of it is cryptic, a little confusing, um, but certainly very interesting, uh, a lot of it. Queen Jane sounds more out of tune than the whole rest of the album. So it's not just that, you know, everything was off the whole time. Like it almost seems intentionally out of tune there. Well, and, and that's, I did consider that, that maybe that, maybe that was intentional. But it's just almost too much. All the way through this entire album, I kept thinking, like, if everything was in tune and there was a person who was actually able to sing, would I be loving this right now? And I'm not sure that it would make much difference. That sounds horrible to say. Uh, but I think the, the genius of Bob Dylan is the poetry. Yes. And so I, I think music, the musicality of this is secondary. The whole point of most of Bob Dylan, and I don't want to say this definitively, but the point of most of Bob Dylan's music is the story. Yeah. He was a storyteller, a poet, and yes, he made some great music, and, and I'm not saying he's not a good musician or he didn't enjoy music and strive to make really, really good music. I don't want to say that because I don't think that would be fair or accurate. But the point of it, I think, primarily, as you said, is the lyrics, and there's certainly... Certainly interesting, if nothing else. Absolutely. I think some of them are are compelling, for sure. I think they're frequently lost in layers of complexity. For someone who gets a Nobel Prize for his piece work, you know, (laughs) I spend most of my time, I get paid to work at peace and social justice movements, and I don't really understand what he's saying. Maybe, Maybe it's lost in translation, you know, a couple of generations later, but... I want him to be a bit more pointed. There's other there's other artists out there, other folk artists specifically, who could be more pointed with their uh, critique of society. He just seems like he's trying to trying to make everything sort of more nuanced and hidden. I don't know. Maybe I want I want it to be a bit poppier. Maybe this is <laughs> this is my hang up. Uh, what do you think about the slide whistle at the beginning of Highway 61 Revisited? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it reminds me of a red whistle I had when I was a kid. It sounded just like that. I want to say it's the one that has like a spinning thing in it. The faster, yep. the harder you blow it, the higher pitch it goes, right? Our kids have a set of fake mustaches that uh, they have a whistle hidden in them that makes the same sound. Yeah. And maybe 
it meant something different in 65, but to me it's just, it sounds so silly. It's just like, yeah, maybe there's so much more intention in all this than we understand, and maybe we don't get the nuances, but some of it I listen to this and go like, ah, what's going on? Well, I'm held up against Pet Sounds, which was oh. just two, two weeks ago. That had all kinds of quirky instrumentation, but never a point where we were like, that's bizarre. You know, it yeah. all sort of worked and all kind of clicked together. Um, you know, there are, do- there are literally dogs barking on that album. And I never thought like, well, that, that probably doesn't need to be there. Um, but yeah, that, that whistle, you're right. Here's a question I, I need to be asking myself. I was giving the Beatles a pretty hard time for um, cultural appropriation. Um, Dylan is taking Southern, predominantly African-American uh, blues rock and, and bringing it to mainstream here. Should we be as critical of this sound as we were of the Beatles dragging sitar music into their albums? I don't know if we can fairly compare the two because that style of blues rock would have been very familiar in the U.S., in the southern states, even in the northern states. There was lots of well-known blues artists. But not mainstream. You don't think so? Is this before, like, a B.B. King or a... a Robert B. Robert B. Johnson. I think he was inspired by Robert B. Johnson. No, I don't think so. I but think those he guys might... are much better. <laughs> uh, no argument there, for me. <laughs> but uh, if anything, I guess you could say that maybe introduced that sound to a different demographic. Right. But I don't have a problem with that. I have a lot of other problems. Well, if you think about the the Western audience. Even today, and I'll use the word ignorance, at, even today when we have everything at our fingertips, you know, in terms of culture and music and anything we want, now put it back in 1966, 67, and what the Beatles were doing with putting entire songs that were Hindustani style on an album, that would have been just like nothing anyone had ever heard. I think this would be at least familiar. Uh, to a lot of people, familiar instrumentation, very familiar style. So, yeah. no, I don't think it's in the same way, but perhaps introducing that style to a new demographic, and I think that's great. We're only a year removed from the whole electric switch right. controversy. This is this is probably still fairly experimental. Uh, he's in some ways i think he's probably still trying to figure out his own sound right. with this album yep it makes me want to go back and revisit earlier stuff and later stuff mm-hmm. uh similar similar i think to the way i felt after really giving pet sounds a, a good listen again uh how does this fit with the larger canon and i guess fortunately for us uh this list is going to force us to tackle a few more dylan albums um, we're not done by any means, after getting through this one. Maybe he'll grow on us a little more, and maybe we'll, we'll understand his diversity a little better. Only time will tell. I think that you can do experimental and still make it sound polished yeah. and orchestrated. And that's when I think about 
pet sounds and revolver and peppers. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're experimental, but they're, but they're well orchestrated. This is a little experimental, but just kind of sounds again, like a bunch of guys jamming, which certainly has its place. Yeah. Just what place does it have? Does it have its place here? Do you have any memories? uh, We hadn't heard this album. We both said we haven't. So you don't have any memories. You really didn't, grow up with this or had heard it before you heard anything before do you have any memories of like a rolling stone oh absolutely but often as a um joke like i remember it coming on in the field and everyone coming out with their best like half drunk drawl impression of (laughs) you know like (laughs) i think by the time by the time uh you know we came along dylan had moved from being the image of cool to kind of like mm. the old guy who thinks he's still cool. I I think that's, that's an overstatement. There's still po- probably lots of our peers who appreciate Dylan and his sound, but I think we, you know, we've asked every, every time so far, does this album hold up? Does it sound dated? And I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I think <laughs> in some ways it feels really dated. Each song you can tell sort of what, what point of musical history he's sort of trying to emulate. And you can also hear the way that his songs have influenced the artists who followed, but like a Rolling Stones, the only one that ever gets any kind of airplay these days. So I don't think it's held up much at all. That's a very interesting question for this album. If you, if I were to listen to this album and I didn't know who he was, what his context was in terms of a year and didn't know when the album was released and you said when was this album released i might have said late 50s yep for yeah late 40s 50s yeah yeah uh like it's that it's really sounds more like a blues album it does not sound in terms of recording quality it doesn't sound like the albums that were released at the same time influential sure historically you know it was it was it uh trend setting yeah was it was it really well recorded and produced no does it sound great no are there some <laughs> are there some catchy tunes on it yeah couple a couple um, i i i think i just finally kind of got it a little better and i really i'm not a lyric guy and i was really trying to listen to the lyrics dylan is he's a poet dylan is a poet and really he's writing poems and putting them to music that's his career yeah that one article that that I had shared back and forth was uh, saying that, you know, what does it say about an artist when your favorite renditions of their songs are by other people? And <laughs> I think that's interesting that, uh, yeah. you know, maybe that does say something more like Carol King is kind of that way. She writes incredible songs, but often gets remembered for writing them and not performing them. I find her a whole lot more enjoyable to listen to. You can almost smell the stale beer of the, uh, <laughs> deep deep south bar that this guy is playing in he's probably 65 uh yeah he has the same guitar that's like cracked and that's why he can't get it to be in tune (laughs) just relentless hey bud yeah i I don't know i it doesn't sound it does sound dated but it sounds dated at a time before it was actually recorded uh so it definitely dated and is it relevant i would say some I'd say generally, generally no. Yeah, the lyrics to me are not relevant because most of them I I 
I don't get the context. I don't understand them. Some of them a little bit. Musically, like a Rolling Stone is a little bit, only because it's so popular we've heard it. The rest, again, are very bluesy. They're almost like they're stuck even a decade earlier than it came. So, right. no, I wouldn't say it's overly relevant in any way. or or And it is definitely very, very dated. Musically, it puts a very specific time stamp on it. And it's perhaps not even from the 60s. Uh, my oldest child is eight, and I said, what do you think of this when I was listening the other day? And she said, so he, he, he can't really sing, can he? And, oh. uh, <laughs> and I thought, so either he's a genius in that he can sell albums even though he doesn't have a whole lot of musical talent, or he was just a trickster who you know, fooled the world into thinking he was amazing. I'm not sure. Oh, well, and maybe that's just what he wanted to do. He just, that was how he wanted to present his, his art. Yep. I think that's true. There are many times on this album where he says a line and I think that's really clever. That's a clever line where it sort of falls apart for me is that I just don't see how it fits with the rest of the song or the rest of the album. It's like in hip hop where they do eight lines in a row that all rhyme. And it's like, congratulations you know good good for you 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 know we teach kids to do that in grade one it's not you know that's that's not impressive but, i can't um, wait until we get to the jay-z album oh it's boy i don't want to go i'm not ready to go there yet well we don't oh the one more line that took me about that i is very clever that took me about five listens to get i didn't get it uh looks up at the sky and says the sun's not yellow it's chicken and i kept thinking that he was referring to the color of a chicken like five times listening through it and finally i got it yellow and chicken like yellow free. coward yeah yes and and i was like oh but you're right boy i feel dumb for not getting it but that is very clever but again in the context it's, it's just kind of it's just, it takes too long to get there. But it's just stuck in there. Yeah. Nothing around it has anything to do with that. Yep. Um, so it's like clever, but anyways, we don't need to we don't need to beat up on this album too too much longer, do we? And we have to save some in just five more albums. We get blonde on blonde. So maybe that one's really good. After listening to it a bunch of times, I did like this album a little bit. It wasn't that I totally hated it. It wasn't that it's the worst thing I've ever heard. There were some moments that I really, really enjoyed. Um, the problem I have with this album is answering the question, was the position on the list sound logic? No. I'm going to say no. I can't comprehend a world where you can create a list where there are only three albums ever created that are better than this album. Amen. I think Bob Dylan's influential... The song gave the name to the magazine and another band, so that's important. But in terms of sonically, I cannot I cannot understand why you would only think that three albums are better than this. Uh, I could put it in the top 100 and maybe the top 50 because just because of in, the influence it had. But in terms of listenability and how great it sounds. Um, this position just doesn't make sense to me. I am not a person who says 110%, but I agree with you 110%. And um, oh. 
Thank you. <laughs> we may be tipping our hand a little bit on what the two of us need out of an album to call it great. I mean, we're not interested in just well something's uh, artistic genius. We want it to also really resonate musically with us. And for whatever reason, it doesn't happen I can, on this album for us. And even beyond that, I can appreciate that the people who created this list are looking at what's influential. I can yeah. appreciate that. And maybe they felt obligate, obligated to put this so high because the namesake, it's the namesake of the magazine they're writing for. Sure. The magazine was named after the song that's on this album. Well, boys, we got to put this pretty high. I could appreciate that, but I just don't agree with it. Yeah. Anything else to add? I mean, we kind of, this was the first week. We only got four albums in on the list before we start absolutely trashing an album. Um, does that does that mean we're, we're petty? I think that an album ranked this high deserves a lot of scrutiny. Sure. It's tough at the top. This is not album like, if this album, like you said, if this album was positioned at number 98, I think we'd be feeling like, well, it's not quite our thing, but, you know, I can see why it ends up on the list. It certainly is influential. Um, you know, he's a brilliant artist. But that's not where the album is situated. The album needs, you know, I was I was giving the Beatles a hard time for a couple of tracks on those two albums that I feel like are not great tracks. And this feels like a whole album of... <laughs> Of songs. Not great tracks. Not great tracks. That's not entirely <laughs> true. I think Rolling Stone is a great song. You know, we've already gone over it. There are songs there that I can in I can appreciate. You maybe even enjoy. As soon as your ears stop bleeding. <laughs> no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. Uh, I would listen to this more than Baby Shark. I think. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's not thumbs down. We can see there's good there. It's, there are redeeming it, qualities. It just doesn't need to be this high on the list. It's not relevant to me right now. Yeah. Yep. I don't appreciate a lot of the things on it. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad album per se, 100%. And I do not think it should be where it is on this list. And that, that's the bottom line. What do we have next time? Well, next time we're going to come back to our third Beatles album so far. Ranked at number five is Rubber Soul. Now that's going to be a great album. It certainly is. We want to thank you for hanging in there with us, and we hope you will join us again next time. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.